Hello, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening and also to explain why you might hear ads like this before, during, or even after an episode. We're a small but mighty team here at Realm, and to help fund our shows, we promote products or services that we think you'd enjoy from a variety of sponsors. If any of our ads interest you, one of the best ways to support us is by visiting the link or using the promo code in the ad. It's pretty much a win-win since you can get some great deals and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Realm presents Control-Alt-Destroy, Episode 6. News. World in Crisis. What was presumed to be the death by natural causes of a Nigerian scientist has been at the heart of an investigation that has brought the world to the edge of war. Britain's Prime Minister said today that it was highly likely that Moscow was to blame for what turned out to be the poisoning of the keynote speaker of the European Trade Conference, and that the Russians would face serious reprisals. The Russians accused the scientist of being an arms trader and say they were preventing the dissemination of critical technology into the hands of enemies too close to its borders. As allies continue to take sides and maneuver to protect their interests, oil prices have spiked due to the tensions and uncertainty. The situation threatens to edge toward a point of no return. The radio snapped off as soon as she entered her living room. A man in a hand-tailored suit sat in the chair furthest from the door. Two more men, stockier, with a military bearing, remained standing while flanking him. She'd been told to expect a meeting. And you are? Who I am doesn't matter. Consider me your main contact at our agency. You have a hint of an accent. Eastern European, perhaps? Let me guess. Former section chief of some sort. Gone into the private sector, judging from your expensive taste in suits. You've done well in the private sector yourself. Sorry to drop in on such short notice, but things are about to go off the rails. The man shifted to keep her in view as she looped the room to approach her drink cart. I don't believe in being bombarded with bad news until at least my second cup of coffee. She poured herself a finger of brandy. That's not coffee. That's why I'm in charge of scheduling my mornings. The woman took a seat on her sofa. The brown leather couch was custom created by a Milan-based architect and designer. It had an American walnut frame with X-shaped sides and a curved back. The cushions were downfilled, stitched with kangaroo twine. How bad is it? You've heard the news. Let's just say... Bad. The man crossed his legs and bridged his fingers in front of him. 
But she'd dealt with narcissistic CEOs and self-aggrandizing politicians for most of her corporate career. National security basically boils down to a vast network of relationships. We prefer information to be contained, compartmentalized, controlled. You don't like to share your toys. I get it. However, if you could veer towards a point, we have an eye on your asset. The one in the game. My carefully cultivated, well-placed asset? A derisive snort escaped her lips. Do you have any idea how difficult it was to approach this particular asset? Do the background workup, character analysis, psychological profile? We understand. But money only gets you so far. The slightest misstep and the asset gets removed from play. Your asset would remain yours. We simply want to enter into a partnership with you. We just want an opportunity to observe and assess the asset, and more important, their intel. Perhaps press the asset into further service, perhaps beyond your agreed-upon parameters, for the greater good, of course. She tipped her glass to them. Her mind raced to figure a way out of the corner they were trying to pin her into. It's always about the greater good. One. Dante, Class Bladed Guardian, Level 7, HP 32 out of 116, Status Normal, XP 24,280, Next Level 28,000. The numbers 5947 flashed overhead. Ben was dead. His chest had been reduced to an open maw of embedded icicles. The wound stanched only because his blood had frozen along the surface, coloring the ice shards a terrible shade of pink. His body a strange tableau, a posed piece of performance art, reminding Dante of one of his action figures dashed against rocks, its limbs canted out at odd angles. Ben, Dante whispered, his low voice thick with shock and with the near reverence of an unuttered prayer. Nothing about this scene made any sense to Dante. He hesitated, waiting for his friend to rise up, cup his head to still its ringing, and complain about the sloppy gameplay. Etta crawled over to where Ben had fallen, sacrificing himself to save her. She cradled his battered form, pointlessly checking for a pulse even though his health bar was on clear display to all. Zero HP. Olenka, the Russian mage, began to gesture again. Pure theater, Dante guessed. The amount of mana she'd already expended in her initial attacks couldn't have left her with much left to spend. Any trace of familiarity between them was gone, replaced by an impassive grimace. Part concentration, part resolve. This was her simply doing her job. A perfect professional. While she distracted them with her presence, her teammates advanced on their position quickly. Tandy's arms tightened around Dante's neck, her weight a dull ache against his side, his arms numb. He'd nearly forgotten about her. She'd been injured, but he didn't know if they had the luxury of him carrying her. She buried her face in his armor, sparing a glance at Ben, 
the full realization of their dire circumstances finally starting to click in his head. They were still in PvP mode. He needed to get them to safety. Thick, dark clouds rolled overhead. Bolts of energy more intense than lightning arced across the sky, but there was no thunder. Only eerie silence followed each blinding flash. Olenka stopped her advance, uncertain, as confused as Dante. None of this was her doing, but she stood between Dante and Etta, her reinforcements quickly on their way to back her up. Whatever had unleashed the PvP mode evidently was changing their environment. They had to use the surprise to their advantage. Only the beginnings of a plan had formed in his head. Run! Dante yelled. What about Ben? Etta screamed. She pulled her hands away. They were stained with his blood. Leave him! We can come back later. Our first job is to survive. We can't! Etta slowly got up, still uncertain, but began to back away from Ben's body. I'll take care of him! Go! Dante shouted. Etta scrambled from her position. Her footing gave way as skeins of rubble collapsed under her weight. The motion snapped Team USA's opponents out of their sky gazing and drew the attention of the Russian archer. They fired a couple of volleys. But Etta dove into the woods and scampered through like she had been born to them. You need to go! I'll hold them off! Dante took cover behind a tree trunk as he lowered Tandy to the ground. What about you? Tandy wobbled on her feet, favoring her left leg. We're stronger together. We're down a member, outnumbered. And they have the high ground. We need to retreat and regroup. I'll hold them off and buy you time. Dante saw the pleading in her eyes. He placed a reassuring hand on her shoulder. I'll find you. Go. Tandy nodded, but her eyes didn't believe him, lingering on him for an extra heartbeat taking him in because she doubted that she would see him again. She backed away slowly before turning to take off at a full run. As soon as she faced forward, the strange lightning flashed again. In the air ahead of her hovered a small vortex of energy, a compact mirror of the strange blue lightning, but focused like a spiral galaxy. Tandy charged on into it. Space unraveled and then folded around her, enveloping her until she vanished. Tandy! Dante screamed. He started to trot in her direction when he saw the Russians regrouping. Olenka, the nearest, backed away from him, unsure of her next move. The Russian mage looked scared, craning around for any other lurking orbs. The barbarian slowed his approach, cautious as he neared her. Ruslana and their paladin, who had started after Edda initially, broke off their chase to circle back as well. Finding a slope in the hillside under an overturned tree trunk, Dante kept low. He had wanted to keep the rest of his team safe but had failed within the first minute. His heart pounded in his chest and he feared it might give away his presence. The Russians huddled briefly, scanning the terrain. Dante considered rushing them if they went after Etta. Instead, they set out through the woods in the opposite direction. Dante watched and waited until he was certain they were gone. Once he felt sure that enough time had passed, he skulked back to Ben's body. The icicles had melted, the wound having left a slurry of darkened blood beginning to pool under him. Dante hefted Ben's body over his shoulder in a fireman's carry and started making his way down the hillside. Tandy, Tandy, can you hear me? Dante wasn't one for prayer, 
but he found himself wishing, hoping, imploring the universe to allow him to hear her voice again. There was no response. Something burned in the corner of his eyes, like the welling of hot tears. He tried again. Etta, you read me? Yeah, I'm a little busy. I'm pinned down. I think it's the Nigerians. Her words came in halts and spurts. Dante breathed out a heavy, relieved sigh at her responding. The Nigerians? What the hell is going on? It's a PvP free-for-all. What the hell could be going on in the real world that it had to be settled with a battle royale? Try not to think about it. We can speculate later. Edda's private chat window closed. Looks like it's just you and me. Dante hitched Ben higher up onto his shoulder. Off balance, he slid more than climbed down, staying on his feet until the last ten feet. The pair of them tumbled down the hillside and Dante's health meter continued to drop. Minus six HP. Dante scanned the terrain both to study his position and to see if anyone approached. If the Nigerians were in play, there could be any number of combatants combing the woods. He untangled himself from Ben's sprawling arms and legs. He couldn't continue toting him around like unwanted luggage. It felt disrespectful, as well as tactically unsound. It was only a matter of time before the Russians came after him again or another team stumbled across him. He couldn't defend himself with Ben in tow. A hutch of large stones stood about fifty feet away. He could drag Ben that far. It wasn't a cave and it wasn't a tomb, but it was a defensible and somewhat hidden position that would do for now. After Dante had wrapped one of Ben's arms around him, he limped toward the rocks as if carrying home a buddy who'd had too much to drink. Laying him down with care, Dante stayed low and surveyed his position again. The surrounding woods were unnervingly still and silent. Dante scrolled through his inventory, preparing himself for what he knew came next. This was what he did. Gaming saved him. His parents loved him. And other than the special academy he had gone to before he had discovered gaming, his life was no different from those of other kids his age. But he'd never fit in. Not the way everyone wanted him to. From the moment he'd built his first home rig, gaming was the only thing that made sense to him. Gameplay boiled down to numbers. There was an order, an elegance to gaming. It was a safe place for him where he could interact. Everyone with their dialogue trees of responses that he understood, even learned to anticipate, where he couldn't mess up relationships. He found himself needing the assurance of another voice. Edda? Yeah? Dante smiled, a thin, jubilant thing. She was still alive. You okay? For now. You? Me and Ben are... Dante folded his friend's arms across his chest in repose. He couldn't think of what else to do. I'm okay. About to head your way. Don't. Not yet. Why not? I'm hidden. And very, very surrounded. The Nigerians are on one side hunting me. I think I got Saudis on the other side. And damn it if the Italians aren't heading to the party. I'm not leaving you. Dante. Don't. Dante killed the private chat window. He really wanted to hear Ben's pain in the ass, I have all the experience voice right about now. 
to boss him around, to tell him what to do next, to make him feel like someone had his back. He studied Ben's still form. They'd only known each other a few months, but extreme circumstances had a way of forging deep bonds quickly. But he couldn't think about that now. His priority was survival. Everything else had to be stuffed down, so deep that he could breathe again, learn to move again. Dante crawled over to Ben's body and, after checking his inventory, began to loot all the items he could. Ben wasn't going to need them anymore. Dante not only required them, but he also didn't want them falling into enemy hands. Sword drawn, he crept out of his improvised alcove. As Ben used to say, he had to go do his thing. His way. He'd been training for this his entire life. Avoiding any worn paths, Dante cut his path through the underbrush, the thick leaves providing plenty of cover. The strange weather did the rest. The cloud-clotted sky blocked any light other than the illumination brought on by the energy bursts. Even in alternus, this wasn't a natural darkness. His pulse pounded in his throat. A tree branch snapped off to his right, crouching low, as far down as he could in his armor. He pressed himself against a wide tree and waited. The Koreans glided through the woods. In their all-white uniforms, they moved through the trees like ghosts in the night and carried themselves like monks afraid to crunch a leaf underfoot. When they neared his position, they paused. Holding his breath, Dante closed his eyes, focusing on trying to calm his raging heart along with his ragged, desperate breaths. When he chanced another peak, the Koreans were slinking away, disappearing into the shadows. Dante needed to reach Etta. The longer she was out there, alone, the greater the chance someone would stumble across her. The way it sounded, players were combing the area and could accidentally trip over her at any time. He punched up a map of the area on his HUD to try to figure out the best way to reach her. The map flickered for a moment, with the hesitation lag of new data being downloaded. A wave of purple, like a storm front on all sides, created a perfect circle centering near the middle of the depicted woods. He was close to the forest's southernmost edge. Checking the sky, he saw that the clouds south of him took on a faint purple tinge. An alarm shrieked. The eye of the storm will shrink in 14 minutes, 45 seconds. Dante needed to find Etta, and he prayed Tandy was all right. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Two. Tandy. Class Veiled Archer. Level 5. HP, 17 out of 71. Status, normal. XP, 8,372. Next level, 10,000. 
the PVP countdown read 45 minutes, 57 seconds. Tandy's world collapsed on itself. She tumbled through the void, uncertain what or even if she was breathing. Her chest ached with the pressure of holding her breath too long. All around her, pink light, energy arcs like lightning flashed and rippled. She wasn't sure if she was falling or flying. And then the energy seemed to contract to a pinprick. And when it did, her world turned inside out again and the reality of Alternus returned. Tandy exited the rift barreling at full speed. Tripping on a branch, she tumbled headlong into some trees and fell sprawled upon the ground. She kept her eyes pressed shut while she took a mental inventory. She first wiggled her fingers and then her toes, then tested her other joints. Everything seemed to work, and nothing hurt. Nothing extra, that was, since her left leg and throbbing ankle still needed attending to. She stopped and listened, then opened her eyes in alarm at the sounds of leaves and twigs rustling underfoot, the telltale sign of someone or something nearby trying their level best not to be heard. Definitely not a ranger or thief who would have slid through the woods unheard and unnoticed. Unfortunately, it meant a higher probability that a fighter, or perhaps an assassin or mage, was sneaking up on her position. She rose to a low crouch and held still. Listening carefully, Tandy took in the ambient noise, sifting for what didn't belong. Nothing. The mind had a way of filtering out constant noise. But there was something else at play. No nighttime animal noises. From tree frogs to cicadas. No bird calls. Not even the whisper of a breeze through the leaves. Only the steady thudding of her heart against her ribs. Even the music had been muted, which only added to her stark terror and the certainty that she was being hunted. Her stalker also halted. Closing her eyes, Tandy wrapped her persona of being a veiled archer tightly around her and focused. The sound started again, those careful but not too quiet footfalls carving a path in search of whoever lurked out here, accompanied by the muffled sound of steel arrowheads clinking together in their quiver. The stalker pushed through the underbrush in slow, measured strides, each footstep feeling outpurchased before they fully landed their weight on the uneven terrain. They were alone, perhaps a scout for the rest of their party. The other three might be nearby, ready to come at the slightest summons. She couldn't afford to simply stand still among the trees. Slowly, Tandy slipped around the trunk of a large tree as her hunter passed, the two bodies in sync co-orbiting the tree. She waited until their steps went silent in the distance and a few moments more to see if the rest of their party followed or if they'd been separated from their pack like she had. She backed a few feet away and tripped over something, twisting her ankle. Minus three HP. She could still walk on it, but not without gritting her teeth. When she checked on what she'd fallen over, she had to cover her mouth. It was the still form of a player from the Italian team. The bottom of the information readout above him displayed zero HP. Like Ben, she wondered how many bodies littered the woods this night. She risked the distraction of trying her subvocal channel. Dante, are you there? Tandy, is that you? You're, 
Fine, she finished, rather relieved to see his words, but she didn't have a lot of time for pleasantries. Where are you? I'm not sure. Tandy pulled up her map. What's... what's all the purple stuff? Some sort of storm coming in from all sides, squeezing us into an area that's basically a circle. Its eye keeps shrinking. If you think of us as being on the face of an analog clock, where would you be? About a quarter till two. What? Two o'clock, about a quarter of the way toward the center of the eye. That makes a weird kind of sense. Stay there, I'll come to you. Before she could raise her voice in protest, Dante cut her off. You have one job. Bush camp. Seriously? Find a bush and just hide? Tandy felt half indignant. Until I get there. I can't afford to... Just stay safe until I get there. The worried note in his voice had grown to near panicked crescendo. Okay, Tandy said, if only to calm him down. What about Etta? She'll reach out when she can. She was surrounded by a few teams last time we talked and couldn't afford the distraction of conversation. I understand that. I'll see you soon. Hey, Dante? You be safe too. Staying safe's what I do best. When the private chat window closed, the cold wind whistled through the forlorn branches. A chill ran straight to Tandy's bones. She wrapped her arms around herself, seeking reassurance where she could find it. Ben. The name crept up on her more unexpectedly than any hunter. Suddenly, she couldn't get the image of him out of her mind. Battered with icicles sprouting from his chest, she'd give anything to hear him bark an order at her, or sound annoyed at her, or watch her from the corner of his eye when he thought she couldn't see him, making sure she was safe. If he'd said to stay put until he got there, she knew she could depend on him. With Dante, she thought she might want to find better cover than a bush. Tandy crept through the woods, silent as a shadow, pausing every so often to check for any more patrols or bodies. Etta being pinned down by more than one team did not bode well. She might be caught in the crossfire of PvP, or two teams might have joined forces against all the others to reduce the competition. In the distance, the faint sounds of a skirmish caused her to turn and head in the opposite direction. When she did, she nearly ran into another tree. Not a tree. Its strange silhouette was almost human. Tandy fell down, scrabbling backward as she reached for an arrow to knock. The figure didn't move. Tandy slowly stood. No reaction. She neared it. A flash of the strange lightning lit the sky and for an instant a looming face leered at her. Startled, Tandy released the bowstring. A sickening thud came from its center mass. Minus 11 HP. The damage bar was almost depleted, but the figure still hadn't moved. She inched closer. She made out the image of a giant penguin. Like a cross between a scarecrow and a piñata, it stood half-hidden within a copse of trees. She plucked out the arrow and stabbed it again. The penguin disappeared, replaced by two potions and a full quiver. She drank the first potion. Her health bar rose, plus 50 HP. The pain in her leg and ankle stopped immediately. Wasting no time, she downed the second one. 
A blue light shimmered around her and then slowly faded. A new green bar popped up with the word SHIELD alongside it. The sounds of the firefight neared. The building whine of a mage deploying magic missiles. The strummed cord of bows drawn back followed by the thwack of arrows finding their marks. The occasional clang of swords coming together. Tandy risked getting closer. An Italian tank in full plate armor carrying a sword and shield, each of which seemed to be her equal in size, tromped through the woods. He was drawing too much attention, not at all like a lone antelope looking to find its way back to its herd. She all but heard Ben's voice in her head. In my world, that signaled a trap. She hid deep within the stand of trees, lowering herself as much as she could, swaddling herself in the shadows. Sure enough, two rangers flanked the tank on either side, all but invisible among the foliage. Once they'd passed, she made her way to higher ground. She spied an abandoned building. Statues and water fountains littered the yard, overgrown by vines and ivy as nature attempted to reclaim the design nightmare of architecture. Balconies rimmed the second floor like someone's idea of a medieval hotel. The house must have been three stories tall. So caught up in surveying the structure, she almost didn't notice the archer who approached from the other side of the house. Even hidden at this distance, Tandy could tell the archer was a woman, one who made her way into the house and eventually reappeared on the roof, evidently staking out a position where she could lie low like a sniper and pick off anyone who might approach. The assassin seemed focused on the sounds of a pitched battle drawing close. If she'd glanced down, she'd have noticed Tandy slipping into the house. Tandy strolled the length of the main parlor, a mishmash of rough-hewn stone and walls carved out of glass blocks. A massive fireplace separated the room from the rest of the house. Behind it were dual winding staircases. The flooring alternated between wood and marble. Pillars divided the living spaces. Tandy slipped up the stairs. An arrow knocked in case the ranger decided to retreat into the house. PvP mode changed how everyone played the game. Tandy knew she would have to make a decision soon. What she loved most about games was the world building, creating an environment so detailed and so complex that the player could become lost in it. A world where replay only allowed more layers of the world to be discovered. PvP, or any sort of first-person shooter, wasn't for her because the idea behind the violence was real. The player, the person, had to make the conscious choice to harm, shoot, maim, or kill another as a way to move forward in the game. Even if the cause was just, or simply a matter of personal survival, the decision was still the same. This part of Alternus had originally been conceived as more of a fun land. Players were to descend into the woods to play a glorified version of Capture the Flag. It was PvP, but nothing like the murderous free-for-all in effect now. Tandy neared the top of the stairs, her back pressed against the banister. Her fingers had long gone numb against the bowstring, a death grip she was unsure she could release if it meant actually hurting or killing another player. Skeleton creatures, tomb crawlers, undead paladins were one thing, perhaps in non-PVP mode, where no damage could be inflicted. But to kill someone in here, that had real consequences. Like Ben. 
Tandy peered as best she could around the corners and over the edges of the many windows trying to keep the archer in view. The layout of the house unfolded as if a different mind had designed each room. The spiral staircase continued to wind. She moved as quickly as caution permitted because she was left exposed between floors. If she happened to step on a stair that creaked, or if the archer otherwise turned around and caught a glimpse of her, Tandy would find herself in her sights. Behind you, a voice yelled from below, followed by a dagger landing with a thud in the wall behind Tandy. The assassin's partner, a thief, patrolled the first floor. The assassin turned from her sniper's nest, targeted Tandy, and let an arrow fly. Tandy lurched backward, falling into a room whose door hadn't been closed all the way. The assassin had probably cleared each room before setting up her nest. Tandy landed in what appeared to be a master bedroom with cobblestone walls, a bed large enough for an entire team, and thick curtains that guarded tall windows. They opened onto a balcony. Hooking her arm through her bow and slinging it behind her like a backpack, Tandy scrambled over the ledge of the balcony and jumped onto the tiled roof. Her fingers scrabbled for any purchase, hoisting herself up by her tips, hoping her feet would catch on something, anything, and push her the rest of the way up. The strange lightning crackled again. Electric streaks charged the sky. The display startled her, but she managed to keep her grip. Tandy dragged herself to the roof, which was a maze of steep slopes and oddly placed turrets. She treaded along the seam of the roof like it was a tightrope. In the distance, a figure leapt out from behind a chimney. The assassin began to knock an arrow. Next storm closing in seven minutes, three seconds. The display alert caught them off guard. Below Tandy, just past the railing on the third floor, another rift coalesced. Its blue tendrils carved the night air. The assassin refocused on her and took aim. Tandy ran and jumped into the air toward the rift, but she fell just short of it. Three. Etta. Class, Divine Seeker. Level, six. HP, 58 out of 81. Mana, four out of 32. Status, normal. XP, 19,490. Next level, 21,000. The PVP countdown read 21 minutes, 36 seconds. The overcast sky with its oily clouds produced no rain, only strange electric streams across the inky backdrop. But somehow water had found its way down the forest range, as if a dam had burst. The clouds tinged purple, matching the image Etta had seen on her map. She wanted to better assess them, discreetly, from a ridge. But the roving patrols forced her downward and far too close to the purple edge. She slogged through the marsh for a better look. The area was heavily grown over, ideal for finding cover. Its boggy nature, however, was also hidden until she stepped into it. By then she was committed as her pursuers skulked around the path she had abandoned. Mud sucked her feet with every labored step she took. If she were caught wading through the muck, she'd be a sitting target. Turning inland, Away from the bog, but closer to the edge of the storm, she climbed an outcropping of rocks. 
Moving alone and across more difficult terrain allowed her a shortened course as she scrambled away from the storm. She managed to get out of sight just as the Russians came into view, on one side of the bog and the Saudis on the other. The Russian barbarian and paladin moved forward in a display of force and aggressive posture. Upon seeing the Saudis, they withdrew, causing the Saudis to initiate pursuit. From her vantage point, Etta figured out Ruslana's play. The Saudis, emboldened by the fear they triggered in the Russians, pursued them without caution. They waded into the thick of the bog before they realized it. The Russians turned, this time with Ruslana, their assassin, taking point. One by one, she let arrows fly, picking off each of the Saudis. Satisfied, the Russian delegation headed away from the storm front. Ruslana paused. She turned in Etta's direction. Though there was no possible way she could have known it was her in the darkness, Etta could practically feel her counterpart's all-too-satisfied smile. That was when Etta noticed something else. The Russians made no attempt to retrieve their weapons. Though all of the assassins' shots were true, they just turned and left. Their mage also walked with the swagger of being ready to engage in combat, without concerns for spent mana. Almost as if they'd known the PvP round was coming and had stockpiled in preparation for it. Etta lowered herself and began to scout her position for the best way to reunite with Dante and Tandy. They would be stronger together, rather than being picked off one at a time. She pushed thoughts of Ben out of her mind. She could cut across the slope away from the bog, but it would put her directly in the path of the marching Russians, not to mention leaving the marsh her only escape route. She could retrace her steps back through the woods, but she already knew that the Nigerians held a firm grip on the area and had dug in enough for the Russians to go after the Saudis as easier pickings. With the storm nearing, her only choice was to continue deeper into the woods, away from the storm front. It would take her through an unfamiliar area, and who knew which nations battled it out there. But she had little choice. Not that she was overly worried. She moved through the uneven terrain with a practiced ease. Swap out trees for concrete buildings, and it wasn't too different from the neighborhood she'd grown up in before her family had changed their names and begun to organize the community. The city declared that it had to carefully steward its resources for infrastructure upkeep. Somehow those allotted funds never quite trickled down to her neighborhood. Buildings that had been built decades before her parents' birth remained frozen in time, with no repairs or upkeep. Closely packed strip malls were abandoned, with the glass of broken windows scattered in their parking lots and the cracked sidewalks interrupted by weeds. No businesses and little traffic, as those with cars steered away from her neighborhood. People squatted in them or between them, laying claim to whatever space they could find. It was every person for themselves. Predators assembled, coalescing in efficient gangs who prowled around to sell drugs or steal or attack people simply to break up the monotony of their days. And whether it were a grocery run or navigating the gauntlet to the school, Etta became adept at avoiding the packs of human hyenas. But every now and then, a bully would slip past her radar and catch her unaware. The eye of the storm will shrink in one minute, 35 seconds. 
Italy's ghost knight appeared out of nowhere and charged at her with his sword out. Sure-footed along the rocks, he moved faster than Etta expected. She parried the first thrust with her staff and lunged out of the way of the second jab. She ducked under the third, finally having an opening for counterattack. Neither a trained martial artist nor combat specialist, she defaulted to moves that weren't pretty or elegant, but were efficient in their brutality. He outweighed her by 30 pounds, easy, had a foot on her in height, and his arms looked like they had the reach of a soccer field. It was no time for niceties. She swung her staff like a bat, landing a blow to his side before she flipped the staff upward, catching him in his dangling bits. Minus 14 HP, minus 12 HP, double damage. The Italian wheeled back, dodging her next swing and kicking her in the chest with the force of a mule. She fell backward, landing awkwardly. Minus eight HP, minus four HP, impact damage. Not waiting for the stars to clear her eyes, she rolled to her left, barely avoiding the loud stomp where her head had been. Etta tried a kick to sweep his legs out from under him, only managing to strike him in the shins. Minus two HP. Rage mixed with annoyance filled the Italian's eyes. Great. I've only aggroed him, Etta thought, amused that she'd picked up some of Dante's jargon. The ghost knight delivered a snap kick to her stomach. She grunted as she fell back. Minus seven HP. When she rose, she dropped into a fighting stance. Her legs bent, though that was partly due to fatigue. Her arms up, though they felt attached to lead weights. Her staff brought to the ready. Pain fueled her anger. The Italian was fast, but she knew she was faster. She charged at him and then, at the last moment, dropped to her knees, smashing his legs with her staff. Minus eight HP. Dropping his sword, he lumbered forward. His eyes watered, but he dove for her waist. His serpentine arms enfolded her and squeezed, forcing the air from her lungs. He headbutted her, her turn to drop her weapon, as the fringes of her vision blurred. If he got her to the ground, she was done. Wriggling an arm free, she jabbed her fingers into his eye sockets. His grip slackened enough for her to push away. Panting, her face bloody from where he had smashed her nose, she loped away from him. He straightened and recovered his sword, swapping it from hand to hand in a show of readiness intended to intimidate her. Preparing to close the distance between them in a few steps, holding her hands up in a defensive position, she knew this was it. She closed her eyes. A siren wailed, signaling the storm front shifting. After several heartbeats, Etta opened her eyes again. A wall of purple energy had lashed forward, stopping just inches from her. Brilliant swirls of pink lightning streaked through what appeared to be a purple cloud wall. She was tempted to touch it, but within it, the ghost knight's health status drained with each of the Italian's faltering steps. Minus 20 HP. Minus 20 HP. Minus 20 HP. Zero HP. Final storm closing in 14 minutes, 22 seconds. Four. Tandy, class Veiled Archer, level five. HP, 64 out of 71. Status, normal. XP, 
8,372. Next level, 10,000. The PVP countdown read 14 minutes, 22 seconds. Tandy tumbled through the air. Her jump wasn't going to get her into the rift. Out of desperation, she stretched her hands out. Her fingers brushed the event horizon. Her world inverted. Again, she fell through the strange dimensional space until the familiarity of Alternus returned. The woods spread out beneath her. She stretched her arms and legs out in free fall and became engulfed by the crown of a tall tree before her descent gathered too much speed. She crashed through leaves and branches, dimly aware that her HP bar was plummeting with her. When she finally thudded to the ground, it took her a moment for her eyes to clear enough to read her health meter. HP, 3 out of 71. Status, critical. Dante. Her voice quavered as if the exertion of activating the subvocal channel might cost her additional health, though she was more afraid that no voice would answer. Tandy, I was worried when I couldn't find you. Where are you? Looks like 10.30. Scary that I'm starting to understand how you think. What happened to bush camping? My bush got popular. Freezing. Dante sputtered after some choking sounds. Anyway, I'm close. And Etta? Tandy was surprised how comforted she was by the idea of his proximity. Hold on. Let me try to loop her in. Dante paused. Etta? I'm here. You two all right? Etta sounded out of breath. Not really. Down to a few HP, Tandy said. Not much better, but at least we're all... Dante's voice trailed off. I'm near Tandy's position. Me too. Start with any healing potions you may have if you beat me to her, Etta said. On it. Tandy kept moving uphill. Pausing at several bushes, she examined each plant until she found some her herb knowledge recognized. She applied them to her wounds. Plus 10 HP. With the pain a little more manageable, she trekked for high ground toward the shifted center of the storm. She found a small clearing canopied by tall oak trees, which kept her hidden while affording her an excellent view of the surrounding area. The Koreans appeared unsullied and marched in from her one o'clock. She spied the Russians slowly climbing up the slope from her six o'clock. Ruslana wasn't hanging back and commanding from the rear. Preparing to make a final assault, she gestured for her barbarian and paladin to move toward their flanks while she marched forward, their mage behind her. Tandy ducked, pressing her back to a tree trunk. In the stretch of land between Tandy and the Russians, the air crackled as if taut with static electricity, underscored by the sudden intense smell of ozone. Four of the glowing coiled tendrils appeared. They held their position, floating in midair until they flashed and disgorged four bewildered figures. They sprawled out along the ground, shaking their heads. It took a moment for Tandy to recognize them. The Canadians. They glanced around with sheepish looks on their faces, like the town drunk who'd accidentally wandered into the middle of a gunfight. They began to pat themselves down, reaching for weapons they expected but didn't find. They'd been dumped in the middle of a PvP in the manner of a cruel game master, starting them off naked at a party in a cave. When the shock of their sudden arrival had worn off, 
With all the teams now gathering in one area, everyone targeted the hapless Canadians. Arrows, magic missiles, fireballs, all of them erupted at the same time. The Canadians scattered, panicking once the first shot hit and registered real damage. But they didn't get very far. Little more than warm-up target practice before the teams turned on one another in a final confrontation. Tandy, Dante whispered from the dark. I didn't want to surprise you and catch an arrow in the chest. Can't afford the HP. I'm here. We have company coming. Let me take a look at you. Then Dante used a med kit to patch her up as best he could. It added another 10 HP. Best I can do. It's still better than my level 1 days. That was only a few days ago. Seems like months, she said. Brace yourself. Here they come. I'll take point. Get behind me, Dante said. I'm not helpless. I know. I need someone I can trust to watch my back. The Russians aren't the only ones out there. From when Tandy could catch a glimpse of her, Ruslana moved quickly, weaving toward their position. She seemed to be in the thick of the action. She ran across the slope, maneuvering among the trees with ease. To one side, a shadow crept through the forest, trying to outflank them. Tandy tracked the movement with her arrow, but her fingers refused to let go of the bowstrings. Familiar twangs echoed in the woods. A volley of arrows flew at the loping shadow. Someone cried out from their nine o'clock. The Russians had lost their barbarian, she hoped. Dante produced a bow, probably scavenged it from another fallen player. He wasn't as proficient with it as Tandy, but if he waited until the targets neared before launching, he wouldn't need to be. There was a rustling beside her. She was about to loose an arrow when Etta nearly collided with her. Behind me, Etta cried and dropped to the ground. As much as the idea of PvP and the possibility of hurting people bothered Tandy, the decision to protect a friend was easy. She released her arrow without thinking. One of the Nigerians took a shot in the shoulder. When he hit the ground, Etta pounced on him and with a single punch knocked him unconscious. So packed together by the contracting storm eye and the surrounding trees, everyone had to choose their melee weapons carefully. No spears or whips or anything that might get tangled up in foliage. Mostly close combat weapons like daggers and swords, the occasional bow and arrow. Tandy couldn't help but think that this was their final stand. A series of grunting noises against the clang of metal caused her to turn to her right. An Italian and a Nigerian tumbled through some nearby bushes locked in a wrestling match, neither able to gain leverage or position enough on the other to bring their weapon to bear. They rolled down the steep slope, continuing to growl and yap as they went. The Russian paladin rushed their position. Dante planted a foot and absorbed the charge with his shield, then pushed back hard to knock his opponent off balance. The Russian recovered. With little room to maneuver, he and Dante swept their swords in tight arcs, battering each other's shields and armor. Another Nigerian pounced out of the woods, wrapping his arms around Etta's torso. He was met with an elbow in his jaw and a flip over her shoulders. She dropped her full weight onto him as he hit the ground. She locked his arm and neck with her legs, wrenching them in such a way to make him cry out with gurgling sounds. Minus eight HP, minus 10 HP. An arrow nailed Tandy in her side. Minus nine HP. 
Her bow slipped from her grip as her hands instinctively moved to the wound to staunch the bleeding. In the time it took her to turn and see where the arrow had come from, Ruslana had knocked another and held her bow at full draw. The arrowhead was aimed right at Tandy's heart. She didn't have the armor of Dante or any magic shielding left. From this range, the Russian wouldn't miss. A head or heart shot was an automatic critical hit and double damage. It would drop her HP to zero. Ruslana released the bowstring with a twang. Tandy didn't flinch, merely waited for the inevitable impact and wondered briefly what death would be like. The arrow bounced off her chest. Everyone glanced up. The timer read, zero. PVP had ended. The clouds roiled and lightened, black to gray to white, until they became thin wisps allowing a preternaturally blue sky to bleed through again. The forest around them, no longer misshapen shadows, sprang back to life. The rules of the game had reset. The rules of the game had reset. Ben! Her voice bristled with possibility. The realization came with the first flourish of hope. Wasting no time, Tandy hooked Etta's arm around her and nodded to Dante. As they raced down the hill, the purple veil of energy dissipated. Creatures again began to scamper around. Large butterflies flapped along gentle breezes. The background music rose, a soundtrack fitting for the triumphant march of heroes. When they reached the cairn of stones, Dante slowed. He held his hands out as if warning them to slow or be quiet, to not disturb Ben's rest. Dante crouched low. Tandy and Etta joined him. Ben was still dead. A loud sob welled from deep within Tandy like a resigned prayer, escaping in a gulping exclamation. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Five. Ben. Class Elemental Mage. Level five. HP. Zero out of zero. Mana, zero out of zero. Status, deceased. XP, 12,152. Next level, 15,000. Darkness, all encompassing, penetrating, and so thick that it had a near tangible quality to it. It was all been new. He wasn't a spirit per se nor an errant soul. All he knew was that he was free, as disembodied as wind, yet aware that he was him. He had no idea how much time had elapsed. Eventually, he had the sensation of being in some kind of embodied form again, lying down. His head spun and was sluggish at the same time, like he'd been in a deep sleep, in the dark, he couldn't escape the feeling that he still floated. But as his sight adjusted, the stone wall, stone floor, and wooden door were all real enough. Grabbing the door handle, he tugged at it for all he was worth. As soon as the door opened, a notification popped up. Quest accepted. Welcome to the afterlife. 
You're listening to Control-Alt-Destroy, starring Summer Glau. Produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Realm. Listen away. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Control-Alt-Destroy is written by Andrea Phillips, Maurice Broadus, Jacqueline Koyanagi, and E.C. Myers. Executive produced by Molly Barton and Julian Yap. Audio production, sound design, editing, and theme music by Amanda Rose Smith.